it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Whenever you are listening to the Often Daunted podcast, I appreciate you for doing so. Um, I'm sitting here recording a night early for you. I wanted to get it out before me and the wife are heading up to the lake, taking the girls, going to be a good time meeting the family. It's a big Irish Catholic complex. (laughs) Uh, It's just about me and 40 of my cousins and all their kids. It's going to be a scene, but it's going to be a great one. Um, thank you so much for listening. Again, no days, no weeks off, I should say. No days off, please. No weeks off here on the Often Daunted podcast. And in honor of Independence Day, in honor of the day that America said enough is enough, eat shit Britain, we're our own thing. July 4th, I wanted to go ahead and make a little declaration of my own here on the Often Daunted podcast. In the spirit of 1776, here is my declaration of underrating. The unanimous declaration of the singularly united host of the Often Daunted podcast, when in the course of athletic coverage, it becomes necessary for one person to dissolve the ignorant narratives which have connected them with their current preseason hype, or specifically the lack thereof and to assume among the blue bloods of college basketball the separate and equal station to which the laws of development and prospect of potential entitled them. In pursuit of a decent respect to the opinions of Hoosier kind, Burke White will declare the causes which impel him to declare the Hoosiers unequivocally underrated. I, Burke White, hold these truths to be self-evident, that all Hoopers are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, and by Bobby Knight himself, with certain unalienable rights, that among these are the understanding of potential, the understanding of development, and the pursuit of bag. That to secure these rights, one must come out of the gate and smack opponent after opponent in the mouth. That whenever any form of coverage becomes destructive of capably portraying the dormant potential in the 2023-2024 Indiana Hoosiers, It is the right of the podcast to admonish or condemn that coverage and to institute reasoning for there to be hype present at the onset of the campaign for banner number six. As as it is them who seem most likely to affect Hoosier Kind's mental well-being, anxiety, and overall temperaments. Prudence indeed will dictate that rankings and outlets long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. But Hoosier Kind has been disposed to enough suffering and deserve the right to celebrate and be exalted in the talent that Mike Woodson has procured for next season's regiment. Hoosier kind is more disposed to suffering because they have further vested interest than most acolytic followings. While slight put-downs and underestimations are sufferable, when a long train of abuses and utter neglections, pursuing invariably the same objective, installs a design to reduce them under absolute media despotism, it is their right Nay, it is their duty to throw off such media coverage and to provide new ideas for their future security. 
such has been the patient sufferance of this fan base, and such is now the necessity which constrains Burke to alter his former acceptance of national coverage. The history of the present talking heads is a history of repeated injuries and misgivings, all having in direct objection the establishment of an absolute diminishing of the Indiana brand and belief in themselves. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. The testament rings true. Experienced guards win in March. Why is Xavier Johnston consistently slighted and not anticipated to lead an Indiana team with anything but a veteran's temperament? Kalel Ware is not being touted nearly enough for what he could do next season. Have a feeling we wouldn't be able to hear the end of how Kansas got the number eight recruit from last year coming in at seven foot if, if he had somehow decided to go there. Kalel Ware is a seven foot shooter entering his sophomore year and whether his camp would admit it or not, if the motor is the question, it's now or never for him to show that he has the gear necessary to compete at the highest levels. That bodes well for what motor he may come into Bloomington with this season. Trey Galloway has started each season with a new level and dimension to his game. Where is the understanding that he will do it again? People seem to understand that Braden Smith may grow up into a competent point guard, but can never project development for our guys. Both Warren and Baco are projected to get drafted next year. I understand that's on potential mostly, but if guys have put enough on tape to get drafted, I'd have to think Indiana will be performing well, so the national coverage seems to go against their own projections here. Next fact, Wisconsin. Wisconsin consistently being mentioned before us simply returning five starters is bullshit. Yeah, they are returning five starters, four of which I, I imagine we would have run out of town by now. Um, and brought in some talent. It perplexes me. Of course, now that I say all this, they're going to smack us in the mouth. That, that, that little part is outside of the uh, declaration. On back, back to the declaration. A lot of the way too earlys, a lot of the way too earlys are mentioning Maryland. They uh, consistently mention the addition of Jordan Geronimo as a key pickup. And okay, I'm not losing sleep over the loss of Jordan Geronimo, and I promise you I'm not losing sleep over any teams getting him. Caleb Banks has the talent in the motor to make his name in the Big Ten and be a force to be reckoned with. If he can slow the game down and keep his legs under him, good luck. And finally, wake up. CJ Gunn is going to be a B1G problem. I present these facts as evidence to the mad tyrant Lenardi and all who trust their basketball conscience to it and the other leading analysts that their expectations lack based consistency and therefore the representative of the often daunted podcast in battle, tried and true, appealing to the common sense of those reading way too early top 25s, due in name, and by authority of the single individual creating this podcast, solemnly declare that this Indiana team is a preseason teener, and thou shalt not convince me otherwise. Yes, we should be in the teens. And that was my declaration of underrating. Thank you. Oh, I wanted to do something a little different here to kick off the July 4th spectacular of the Often Daunted podcast. So now that I got my uh, declaration of underwriting, because quite frankly, I am tired of not seeing our names mentioned. I'm tired of nobody talking about, I mean, yeah, it's talking about potential, but this team could potentially be a contender. And uh, I'm not going to hear otherwise. I'm not going to listen to otherwise. Yeah, call me ignorant, call me whatever. No, I believe we have some studs. I believe we have the coach. I believe we have the coaches, and I'm expecting huge things from this team. And the fact the rest of the country isn't, honestly, is a little, it's 
kind of a relief. Maybe we have a little uh, less weight heading into the season. Fewer expectations seem to work well for Purdue last season. Here's hoping it works well for us. On to your national news. Announced as I was recording last week, Josh Eilert is the new interim head coach of the Mountaineers. I had mentioned how Dickie V had tweeted out that Tom Crean would be a great fit, and I honestly thought he is a great little. If you need someone to fill in and get these players invested in a coach, he's the guy. He's a he's yeah he's a player's coach. Um, but no, Josh Eilert uh, just became a full time assistant a year ago for Bob Huggins. And before that, last season, he was the director of basketball operations. After one year on the bench as a coach, um, it looks like Josh Eiler may have had the single swiftest rise um, in college basketball. Sure, sure, yeah. Some alumni players are given jobs. But that, uh, that still makes more sense to me than how swiftly this rise took place. Of course, they are giving him that interim title. I imagine they'll be looking. But uh, what's to say they don't win a few and he gets offered the job? But it is pretty crazy to see how this all transpired, how it all shook out, and the fact that West Virginia is going from one of the all-time winningest and Hall of Fame coaches in Bob Huggins to Josh Eilert. Absolutely green as a frog on St. Patrick's Day. A Big Ten non-conference schedule note. Uh, I just thought it was an interesting game to see scheduled. Ohio State scheduled Dayton for October 22nd in Dayton. Um, this is a scrimmage game supporting charity for mental health and suicide prevention. I, I thought this game was interesting because, say what you will, I imagine Dayton University inherently has a little ill will for Ohio State. They're the big name in the region. So if this if this is genuinely a scrimmage and these guys aren't throwing down 110%, I think this is really cool. Um, while the Buckeyes tip off November 6th hosting Oakland, this game at UD, I, I have to imagine they're not going to take it. They're not going to take it that lightly. Uh, I have to think that Dayton might see an opportunity to test their medal against the absolute uh, against a Power Five conference. No, against a uh, Big Ten opponent, not just the Power Five, a Big Ten opponent, and it being in Dayton, hosting the Big Bad. I have to imagine that crowd is going to want to see something. That crowd's going to want to see an upset. So that is a wild game for Ohio State to schedule. Uh, good for the charity. I mean, that really is that program going out on a limb because. Eh, playing in a charity game for no wins, losses. I guess there's no real losers there. Just, uh, yeah, an interesting one to keep your eye on. Next uh, next story, we saw Purdue. We saw Purdue unveil some swaggy Big Ten West champion rings. And I, I, I wanted to come on here and just ride how ridiculous that is to get a bunch of rings for uh, winning the weakest division in football. <laughs> but then I just thought, hey, the Colts literally have an AFC finalist banner hanging up, so who the hell cares anymore, I guess. The Colts are my NFL team, and I, I guess I have to be okay with that, even though I'm not. Next up in national news, I just wanted to say that uh, Bloomington needs to start sourcing their water from Oklahoma. A picture came out of Desan McCullough, ever heard of him? Uh, middle linebacker, All-American, Indiana uh, to Oklahoma. And he looks like a freak of nature. He looks like an absolute, he, he's built like uh, Batfleck <laughs> in the armor. Huge. Little basketball news as Paul Mulcahy will be visiting Xavier and Notre Dame, or I guess he did this last week. This just is making me think how weird it is um, to come in after these dudes have gone through all the icebreakers. Got time together. They're in the like 
those videos of the Indiana team working out together, as as produced as they are, as manufactured as they may be, they look like a good hang. They look like those guys are getting after it, but like having fun doing it. And uh, those little awkward moments, I imagine that's all part of building a team, getting over those little icebreaker moments, getting comfortable with each other. And it is so weird to see how late these uh, transfers can come in now. I mean, it's July 1st, and we still don't know rosters entirely. It's crazy. It's crazy. These guys taking their time, twiddling their fingers, just deciding where to go. It's a big decision, but yeah, it's one you got to make. It's crazy. You're going to get to the season, and you're going to have, I don't know how much time they have left to declare, but it's a wild time, and it's, it's unprecedented scenario after unprecedented scenario here in the time of the NIL agreement. Rutgers will be hosting recent Illinois decommit transfer, uh, Jer- Jeremiah Williams. 6'4", mid-range scorer. Um, he was out all of last season with a torn Achilles, and this was while he was on Ohio State. While on the Cyclones, he didn't get a moment of playing time, and he dipped after one season after transferring in. Um, he spent the two years prior at Temple, where in his sophomore season, he had averaged 9.2 9.5 points, 4.3 assists, 3.5 rebounds. So wild if we ever so wild to get a guy he never plays and then he's out. He it just wasn't his scene. Didn't even get a play and he knows it's not his scene. Not a lot of moves being made right now. It was kind of a dead period, but uh what we do have coming up is the NBA Summer League and there is plenty for us Hoosier fans to enjoy in the uh, weeks to come. Just running through a quick schedule for you. Um, actually, just who you need to watch on the the, the first games are going to be July 3rd. If you wanted to check Jalen hood Shafino out, he'll be playing Miami. Uh, that game is at 6 o'clock on ESPN2. If you wanted to check out what TJD and the Warriors are doing, how Draymond is going to nurture him, I hope so. <laughs> I hope Draymond's not just a dick to him. If Draymond embraces that leader role, yeah, whatever. Okay, yeah, you can watch Trace Jackson Davis on July 3rd versus Sacramento at 10 p.m. on ESPN. That is his first game wearing a Warriors uniform. It is a late one, but you know I'll be watching it. Now, while Jalen hood Chavino and Trace Jackson Davis are getting that early shine in those uh, first week games, Race will have his first opportunity to suit up for the New York Knicks on July 8th against Philadelphia at 5 p.m., on NBA TV. I, I haven't been so excited so excited for I don't anything NBA since uh that Paul George Lance run Lance Stevenson run in the playoffs. I haven't been this excited for something. I know it's summer league, I know it's dumb, but I'm excited to see what the Hoosiers can do. I'm excited to hear them talk about uh these three guys in the sen- in a pro sense, what they can bring at the next level. I'm excited to hear the difference, I guess. They're going to be discussed different because it's an entirely different game. Here's hoping our guys can step up, and the Summer League is their opportunity to show out and uh, put their best foot forward, represent the program well. Shout out to Ernie Johnson this week. Uh, Just found out this week via Charles Barkley that he had been inducted into the National Sports Broadcasters Hall of Fame. And Ernie Johnson just has one of those voices that... uh, it really is one of those voices. It's always in the background. You're never really paying attention to it, but you hear him. It's going to be one of those voices that you will miss when it's gone. It's almost white noise. 
you put on those uh, Pacific time zone games, uh, falling asleep at night, he is he is your white noise. And while he is, he is celebrating these highs, it is pretty crazy to see the lows um, over at ESPN where uh, thoughts and prayers go out to Todd McShay in his camp after he was let go by ESPN. Looks like Kuiper's heir apparent is out the door. Um, also among them is Max Kellerman. It's just crazy. Yeah, Time to batten down the hatches, I guess. That's why I run such a streamlined program here on the Often Daunted podcast. I never take on more than I know I can keep. Um, we're not out here messing with people's lives. Okay? Yeah, that's what's... Whatever. Um, on to... <laughs> Montverde Academy had Montverde Academy had one of the greatest flex posts I've ever seen. Um, they posted a graphic. It says most NBA draft picks since 2021. And if you start at the bottom, you'll see where Overtime Elite has two lottery picks, two first round picks, and two overall selections. UCLA has zero lottery picks and two first round picks, three total. Kansas. Two lottery picks, three first-round picks, four total. Gonzaga, two lottery picks, four first-round picks, five total. Michigan, two lottery picks, three first-round picks, and five six total picks. Kentucky, two lottery picks, four first-round picks, seven total selections. The G League, four lottery picks, five first-round picks, and eight total selections. The Duke Blue Devils at three lottery picks, seven first-round picks, and eight total selections. And then the whole reason Montverde... Uh, yeah, sorry for that whole list I just read off. But it was all to lead build to this, where Montverde Academy... Montverde... Montverde. Sorry, Montverde Academy. I, I want to say Verde. Always. Montverde Academy had four lottery picks, seven first-round picks, and 12 total. Owning every single college team, owning the G League Ignite, owning Overtime Elite. That is crazy. That is a powerhouse program. I am so glad that if these guys even look up to their uh, seniors, I guess, that some of them are Hoosiers. Just what an absolute stat to have on everybody. Credit to Montverde. They don't need my credit because they're going out there and getting it all the time. And with that, let's move on to some Indiana news. Real question. Can someone explain to me why when I search IUBB on Twitter, a bunch of a bunch of card cloning scam posts pop up? I don't get it. Um, is IUBB something related to card cloning? Uh, I don't I don't understand any of it. Uh, but uh, other than that, hey, let's let's get it let's get it going. Uh, just discussing. Uh, it is just every it's all the late night IUBB posts for sure. But whatever. Okay, on to, uh, hey, just uh, wanted to give credit where credit is due to Jared Morris and Andy Bottoms of the Assembly Call for getting it right on the Assembly Call, um, where he said DJ White and Eric Gordon, um, he said that Hoosier squad was the only time in his basketball career he genuinely dreaded a matchup. It was the only time he never felt truly confident against his opponent while playing for Michigan. That It was a great listen. He breaks down some of his outrageous rankings. And, uh, yeah, go check it out for sure. But uh, there was an announcement related to Hoosier basketball fandom, and the Hoosier Fan Fest has been announced this year for Saturday, uh, Saturday August, Saturday August nineteenth at Assembly Hall. Um, this will be held at seven thirty. The Fan Fest will include 
slam dunk contest, three-point contest, all culminating in a five-on-five scrimmage. Uh, you'll be able to get your autograph pictures uh, with the basketball players. There will also be the women's team uh, on the come-up. Go, uh, hey, go, go get to know the women's program before it's so mainstream. <laughs> you can't even say you're one of the first now, but hey, get in before it's too late. Tickets for this event are going to range from 5 bucks to 149 if you wanted to courtside, but that 5 bucks option really makes it available to the whole family. I'm looking for any reason to get me and my daughter there, me and my oldest, but uh, I imagine the youngest will be two weeks at that time if all goes according to plan, two and a half, so I doubt I'll be there. Congrats to Anthony Leal for being named as a Big Ten Distinguished Scholar. Only basketball player on our men's program and uh, way to hold it down. Doing B-Town proud, showing off that uh, those B-Town brains. There you go. We talked about the non-conference schedule a bit last week, but uh, it has finally been finalized. Again, that is going to be UIndy and Marion University as Indiana's two exhibition games before facing Florida Gulf Coast, Army, Wright State, competing in the Empire Classic. Then we will face Harvard, Auburn, Kansas, Moorhead, North Alabama, and Kennesaw State. People can say it's a weak schedule, but I argue, hey, there's Kansas and there's potentially Texas and Yukon. What are you talking about? On top of that, we went out and scheduled, yes, it's Auburn. It's not one of the top, top programs right now, but we scheduled an SEC opponent. Purdue had three, but again, Texas, Yukon, if we face both them, the schedule's harder. Kansas, Auburn, get real. CJ Gunn was on the Hoosier Hysterics podcast this week. Uh, go check them out. Some of the best uh, interviews with Indiana personnel there's a, there is. On the podcast, he largely he largely spoke to how much more comfortable he is heading into the season. Uh, he talked on how he knows exactly what Woody wants in his players heading into this season, and I am so happy for that. He he spoke about yeah how like you're on your own. It's a big mo- like yes, but now he, he seemed a lot more confident, a lot more focused, a lot more dialed in. Um, I don't even know what I'm saying that based on. I'm just trying to hey, I'm just trying to hype up CJ Gunn right now because he sounded like a man with a plan and a man who is going to execute in order to get this program where it needs to be, in order to get himself where he needs to be to contribute to this program. And in terms of that, he spoke on uh, gaining weight. He said he was trying to get up to 205 pounds come tip, and that is from 190 last season. Now, hey, you guys, 15 pounds for me, big guy. That I mean, I, I gain or lose 15 pounds in the span of three weeks, okay? <laughs> Not really, but for, for, for basketball, 15 pounds is a ton of weight. It gives you a ton, it gives you a lot of weight to throw, and it gives you a lot more, uh, if you can keep your speed, it gives you a lot more options in uh, being able to muscle defenders, for sure. Duh. Stronger guys can beat on stronger guys. Just hearing him saying that he was trying to get up 15 pounds because, yeah, that isn't a big difference for me, but that is a big difference for CJ Gunn. He's going to be noticeably larger. I, ho- I mean, still shredded because he's just running an Indiana regiment of training and nutrition. But, yeah, I'm just excited for what can come of a bigger, stronger CJ Gunn. And I think he looks taller. Don't tell me he isn't. <laughs> that, that, that dude is that dude's growing. Really, really awesome part of that interview. Again, go listen to the Hoosier Hysterics interview. It's a, it's a good one. He spoke to Mike Woodson, uh, having the entire program on an act-like-a-pro mindset, uh, being more accountable, disciplined, and being committed on and off the court. You'll love to hear it. He, he, Mike Woodson is setting the tone that these guys are going to follow. But uh, the single greatest part of this interview was 
when C.J. Gunn can be quoted as saying, in regards to Mackenzie and Baco, man, he can't shoot that boy now. And I'm just like, hell yes. Gimme, 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 and Baco shooting. Yes. Of course, it's it, it's not against the real competition, but hey, that's all we're going to get right now in this offseason. All we're going to get is, hey, we're doing well. And you know what? I'm going to be excited about it. I have no choice but to sit here and just dream about hypotheticals, about, oh, how great was this shooting that day? Oh, how great is that going to spell? How great is that going to translate into success for this entire program come basketball season? Just awesome to hear that Mackenzie and Baco's shooting that boy now. On uh, John Rothstein had a mailbag episode this last week of his podcast, the College Hoops Daily, I believe. Listen to me, I'm just talking about podcasts here on my podcast. <laughs> but he was asked where he saw Indiana ending up, and uh, he ended up saying that he sees the Hoosiers as uh, being in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten, which is kind of where everybody has us, and uh, being right there on the edge of a tournament spot, fighting for one. Again, I just say, hey, see my declaration of underrated because underrating because that's every point. Hey, I laid it all out. I laid it all out in the declaration, folks. Indiana is going to blow people away out of the gate. I hope to God they give us a few games to uh, stay under the radar so that we can figure out this, figure out how the potentially just most explosive front court we've had um, is going to work together how they're going to work together and how they're going to work in tandem with one of the most experienced backcourts we've ever had. Because literally, I mean, he has the most experience that I think our point guards have ever had. Dude could have his doctorate in basketball. Last bit of of national news was just another fun sight to see on that Warriors roster was the presence of Will Sheehy as an assistant coach. Shout out to Will Sheehy. Hoosiers in the NBA, I guess. And there you go. You guys, I'm on vacation vibes right now. I'm about to jet set to a lake in Montpelier, Ohio. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, break down just two players this upcoming season, just what I what I want to see for them, what I hope for them. I'm going to be doing this for every player on our roster. I have the first two of the season coming up right after this word from our sponsors. The Often Daunted Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Big Banter Sports. Big Banter Sports, uh, just a collection of podcasts. We're all working together, trying to provide better content for each of our channels. Um, Brant and the team over at Big Banter have made it really easy to get in contact with these other guys to potentially set up some cool things coming for you down the line. Least of which, I I, I hope to have the uh, football coverage for you here shortly. Um, Hoping to have our sister podcast, brother podcast, I guess, uh, the LEO football podcast. Three guys talking IU football. Uh, they know their stuff. You, you guys know the types. The, those IU, the IU football sickos, they're real sickos. They're, they're real sickos about it. Uh, you'll love them. You'll love them to death. They're a special breed. There are more every day, and I love to see it. I, I, I hope to have those guys on soon. And uh, in the meantime, please go check out their show, the LEO podcast. Yeah, the LEO football podcast. All right, like I said, we are going to dive into a few players each episode now, um, just building up to the season when it gets here. And it will be each guy on this roster. I don't want to disrespect anyone. Each of these guys is going to commit his time to this program. He deserves a little time on my podcast. So, without further ado, I'm going to start with James Goodis. Yes, I'm starting with James Goodis. The 6'1 guard from Albuquerque, New York. 
New Mexico. Freshman is going to be our newest walk-on. Now, he wasn't on the Montverde Academy team last season. He was on the CBD post-grad team for them. And that is the Montverde Center for Basketball Development, which their, their site says about it. The Montverde Academy Center for Basketball Development with Coach Kevin Boyle is an advanced program for grades 6th through 5th year postgraduate studies. This elite basketball development program provides day and boarding student athletes on-court fundamentals and advanced skill development to to take them to the next level of training in their basketball career. With instruction led by Coach Kevin Boyle, eight-time National Coach of the Year, players will improve their skills while balancing rigorous courses in an esteemed at an esteemed academy with a 100% college acceptance rate. So he was on their post-grad team, so um, I don't know if that just means he knocked out his schoolwork and then... But I, he played the likes of IMG Academy still. Never, never lit up the stats or anything like that, but uh, yeah, hadn't gotten much run while at Montverde, but that's beside the point. He's not going to be asked to do much as a walk-on, and if you can resign... Uh, walk on to a spot on the bench in meaningful minutes in practice. One coming out of Montverde is is a good one to have. W- winning is contagious. It's a virus. Losing is the same. Bring in winners. At Montverde, you can't help but know how to win. He's surrounded by it. Through sheer osmosis, something must have stuck with the kid. Be it a commitment to defense, uh, like Montverde, Montverde dudes tend to have a commitment to their defense. Or just an understanding of being a cog in a winning program. Um, Just a nice piece to have as a walk-on. Again, never lit up the stat sheet, but we're not going to ask him to anyway. He's just going to be a nice walk-on piece that is going to give our guys his best look day in and day out. Thank you for joining the program, James Goodis. For the second player on today's episode, yes, I started with James Goodis. Now I need to go to bring someone in. Now I wanted to talk about a name that is going to be absolutely integral to what the Hoosiers do next season. Malik Renew. Heading into last season for Malik, I felt like he came with a lot of understanding that it may take some time for him to find his Big Ten, like his Big Ten seat legs. Right out the gate, he quickly played his ass off and had my mind spiraling with the possibilities that uh, last season could have had in store. Then after his just hot start, game after game rolled in, Malik began to come down back to our expectations a bit. I would say back to earth, but no, our expectations aren't quite entirely on earth. He came down to our expectations a bit. Over the course of the season, he would end up averaging 6.1 points a game, 3.7 rebounds, and 0.8 assists. He would end the season with 55.3% shooting from the field. Malik's most productive, Malik's most productive outing last year was January 28th while we were hosting Ohio State. Malik had 15 points on 6 for 10 from the field, sinking the lone three-pointer he attempted. While huge in that game, resulting in the Hoosiers beating the Buckeyes 86-70, to it was his presence, his presence was most glaring to me personally in the Xavier game towards the end of that, uh, the start of the year. Towards the end of the start, yeah. Towards like the middle of the year. Ending that Xavier game with 12 points on 5 for 9 shooting, his presence shined even brighter than his stat line for sure. My favorite play of the game was him receiving the ball on the right, right-hand right wing and uh, putting it on the floor, taking his defender to uh, Malik's left, only to break down, spin the other way, and deliver the ball with a kiss off the glass. It was, it was just such a pretty finish. Again, it, it's his footwork. His footwork is immaculate. The guy is a dancer. I think I've said that like seven times on this show. 
following a beyond stellar start. Like, it was a stellar start. Malik found his share of struggles once different competition came to the table, which is absolutely understandable. He he may have had, like, if you were watching it, he may have had the, the single most prototypical freshman growing pains once they started to set in. But, but that pain had to be faced. That pain had to be swallowed. And now Malik stands to have a phenomenal breakout season because he did just that. You have to take your bruises in the Big Ten. You have to. And he did. Now it's time for him to start bruising. In my humble opinion, throughout all last season, Malik showed me that his greatest skill is his footwork. He was able to put guys his size in a blender with his ability to spin towards the basket. Down the line, he also showed signs of developing that uh, ever-reliable like short-mid hook that uh, Trace just utilized to deathly results. While, while we got to see that in that uh, Xavier game a bit, we saw his footwork. The acquisition of Coel Ware should expand the front court and allow Malik a dance floor larger than he has ever even sniffed with the defenses that uh, have uh, been tailored to stop TJD. Without TJD, Malik's game can thrive, can breathe. Last year, he was last season. Malik was largely subsidizing um, a lot of our. He was our subsidizing force in the game plan because the game plan was TJD up front, center, taking care of business. Now, now I hope our expanded and stretched offense allows Malik to thrive in a game plan that will be suited for him to play a larger role. After fourteen point nine points per game, and if uh, Mackenzie Mbaka works out at the three, like we all hope to see. I would imagine Malik is looking to be an integral part uh, of this team, like uh, floating somewhere around the 30-minute mark, and rightfully so. This team was going to be handed off to Malik. It is handed off to Malik. This is Malik's team, Xavier's team, but it's Malik's front court. Khalil, yeah, he showed up. He's a big name. It's Malik's front court. Before the big time gets this offseason, yeah, this team was handed to Malik and Xavier to carry forward. This is still Malik's team, and as the veteran front court presence, I hope to see our young star come out, come into his own, come into his own as a leader, and uh, live up to admittedly the lofty expectations of this Hoosier fan base. It's a tough ask. I have to have faith that he can do it. You guys, I'm just talking about, uh, while I do this, I'm just talking about what last season saw, what I hope for him this coming season, and what I hope for this coming season in the case of Malik or New is big things. I hope I hope the Hoosiers have three draft picks next year. <laughs> yeah, that would be Malik just taking his game to the next level to propel himself up there. But he has all the pieces. If he can show off a consistent shot, if he can show off an ability to get that shot off quickly, if he can continue to display just not not even continue, if he can increasingly display his ability to just cut a damn rug in the interior. Here's hoping he can he can throw his name he can throw his hat in the ring. Thirty minutes a game. I'm hoping for uh, he's going to be a double double machine. Of course he is. Need it. That's Malik Renew next year. Yes, we we are going to need Malik to cut down on the fouls. Fouls were a huge problem throughout the season. Um, we are going to need him in the front court. We are going to need him to get that under control. I do like the size we have. If he were to get into foul trouble, um, that being said, I want him on the floor. I want him on the floor getting better. I want him showing everybody he's got the game. I believe he does. So just uh, positive energy out there in the universe for Malik, wherever you are. Hey, if you're hitting that rep, hit it good. And uh, God bless you, young man. We're going to get onto that Hoosier history hit, and then we'll get you out of here.
This is your Hoosier History Hit. For your Hoosier History Hit this week, I'm going to be discussing Baynard Rush Hall. Baynard Rush Hall was born in Philadelphia in 1973. He was educated at Union College and at Princeton Theological Seminary. I imagine that became Princeton because all of these great schools started as religious schools. Following graduating there, he became uh, he was a, ordained as a Presbyterian minister, and it was after this that he and his family would move to southern Indiana. After spending a year living there, uh, he was chosen to be the first teacher at Indiana University Seminary in Bloomington. <sighs> At Indiana State Seminary in Bloomington. Now, yes, that was a uh, he. He would have been hired in 1824. So Indiana State Seminary hired their first teacher in 1824, uh, despite being founded in 1820. We do credit uh, 1820 as the date. I believe we just celebrated our bicentennial not too long ago. But no, no actual classes. Nothing was happening until 1824. His first year teaching, he taught. Uh, Pretty much all of the classes, uh, which were mostly Greek and Latin, and he was paid a salary of 250 bucks. In the years between 1827 and 1829, Indiana University would change substantially. While he had been teaching mostly Greek and Latin classes, Indiana University had hired Kentucky resident John Hopkins Harney to teach the natural sciences and mathematics. Holy shit, is that, that's not like Johnny Hopkins. Okay, no, it's not. No, okay, beside the point. It was it was at this time that uh, once he was hired that Indiana State Seminary was changed to Indiana College. And uh, one year later it had hired Andrew Wiley, ever heard of him, of Washington College to be the first president of the uh, college. Now, it seems so crazy that there could be problems amongst a, a faculty of three. But it would seem that uh, personal conflicts among the three faculty members would soon lead to Harney's dismissal and Hall's resignation. Following this, Baynard Rush Hall moved back to the East, where he remained active as an educator and as a religious leader until his death. Baynard Rush Hall uh, spent four years here in Bloomington teaching, and uh, seems like he pretty much hated every bit of it. He uh, tended to see himself as a big bug and uh, out of place as an educated Easterner. He was an East Coast D-bag, Okay. No offense to our East Coast D-bag fans out there. There was a legend out there that he had brought the first piano to Bloomington. I don't know how true that is, but he largely saw himself as the single Indiana resident in the history of the world. He was the first, in his mind, he was the first Indiana resident in the history of the world who understood ancient Greek. He was no fan of the townies. <laughs> I imagine, I God, I hate using that, no. It, it states here that uh, largely local residents looked at the seminary and him in particular uh, with suspicion. But yeah, hey, this is the guy who brought education to Indiana. It was a, it was just a series of buildings waiting to be filled with bright minds hungry for knowledge. And uh, Baynard Rush Hall was the first to provide that for uh, anyone in Bloomington uh, looking to continue that education. I don't even know what the education would have been back in 1820. What's the basis? What's elementary school back then? What is... Good God, I'm so happy to be alive when I am. You guys, despite all the problems you may have, despite whatever stresses you have out there, um, guess what? 
none of your ancestors have ever been as comfortable as you are now. That's a fact. That's a straight up fact. Unless you're like a long distant Kennedy or something. But uh, thank you so much for listening to this 4th of July spectacular episode of the Often Daunted Podcast. I, Burke White, will be uh, back with you on Monday as opposed to Sunday when I'm releasing this one, uh, this special one, because I'm not recording tomorrow. I'm on vacation, y'all. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Give me a follow uh, on Twitter, at Often Daunted. If you have any ideas for the show, how I can get it better, uh, what I can do to improve, feel free to reach out to me at oftendaunted at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Hoosier fans. You have a great, great 4th of July with your family. Uh... If you're alone, if there's some reason you can't, hey, guess what? You don't need your family there. You got 300 million of us right here. Happy birthday, America. Celebrate with your loved ones. God bless you all. See you next week.